You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Mission Impossible, Part 6. Enjoy. Father, we thank you. You've brought us into a wide open, spacious place. The wide open field of your amazing grace. And here we stand this morning. We say, take us deeper. All the way. We're all in. We're not turning back. We're going all the way with you. Into the fullness of your destiny for our lives. We refuse to allow our senses to dictate to us what is true. For we recognize the deeper reality of your promises. The truth of your realm. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. You're our God. You're our strength. You're our victory. And we thank you, Father. Nothing is impossible with you. So we go forward this morning in you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing more of Christ to us. We want more. And we thank you for it. You fill us with more of you each and every day. You satisfy our desires with good things. And our youth is renewed like the eagles. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I like this too. Isn't that life without borders, mission impossible? With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. At Highway Church, we're emphatic about what we, this, this truth that God did the impossible for you. We want you to know that. God's love for you is unmatched and without limits. And he demonstrated his amazing love for you by doing the impossible for you through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. It says, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son. Boy, there's a lot in there. So a question I asked you last week is, what was it that the law was powerless to do? What was it the law was powerless to do? Make you whole. W-H-O-L-E. The law couldn't make you whole. The Ten Commandments were written on stone. Paul referred to it as the ministry of death. They can't make you whole. But God did by sending his son Jesus, and through faith in Christ, we are made whole. So God sent his son so that you could be whole. That's the gospel. In fact, Peter, preaching the gospel to Aeneas in Acts chapter 9, verse 33, looked at him and said, Jesus Christ makes you whole whole, W-H-O-L-E. And we know that all of us have been broken to one degree or another. We're living in a broken world with broken people, and broken people tend to break other people, right? And I was very broken when I came to Christ. And I asked this question last week. I said, is it possible for you personally to be made whole? And some people have given up on that idea. They've been told by 
by some experts or some other people that, that that wholeness isn't a possibility for you in this lifetime. That you're just going to have to be like you are and, and be broken the rest of your life. But we want you to know at Highway Church that the possibility of you being whole does not depend on how broken you are, but on what you believe. And if you will actively put your faith in who Christ is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him, he will make you whole. So that's what we're looking at in Mission Impossible. We want you to know that wholeness is not impossible. It's quite possible, and it is available to you through simple faith in Christ. So we're talking about being whole, and we started last week talking about the parts of our whole being. Whole is the sum of the parts. Well, there are three parts to who you are. Your whole being consists of three parts, and the Scriptures teach us this. Spirit, soul, and body. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. We'll spend a few uh, minutes here reviewing some of the things we touched on. Well, didn't touch on. I went into, spent a good bit of time on last week. We're not going to go into it in the same depth, but please uh, take advantage of last week's message. There's much more in one message than you can ever hear in one hearing. And there's enough food in one message to feed you for a good long time. That's the way God's Word is. It's just, it's limitless. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 says, And the very God of peace, let's stop right there, P-E-A-C-E. Again, that's been a word that's been religified. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word there is irene. It is uh, used uh, by the Hebrew writers who wrote in Greek in the New Testament as the uh, Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And the very God of wholeness, okay? Sanctify you wholly. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. H-O-L-Y comes from the word W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know that? Holy, H-O-L-Y, really comes from the word holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. God is about you being whole. He is whole, and he wants you whole. The very God of wholeness sanctify you wholly. We could say completely. And I pray, God, your whole, boy, is God about wholeness. We got three whole, wholeness and holy, uh, and we're not even halfway through the verse. And I pray, God, your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit and soul and body. There it is. There's the three parts to who you are. Be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. What will he do? Make you whole and keep you whole unto the coming of Christ. Amen to that. Hallelujah. So we see here there are three parts to who we are, spirit, soul, and and body. The word here that's used for spirit is pneuma in the Greek. The word for soul is psyche. We can recognize psyche, right? Psyche, that's where we get our word psychology from. And the word for body is soma. 
We say it, the, the simplest way I know of to say it that I've heard is to say it this way. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. Your spirit is who you are. Your soul is connected to, this, to your spirit. You can't separate the two. You can only distinguish between them. All right, so your soul is your intellect your will, and your emotions. And your body is the physical, material structure that you're living in. So uh, one of the things that will help you be whole is to understand how you're made. Spirit, soul, and body. Each part of you will talk to you. And and we're going to see here in a little bit that it's through the Word of God that you will learn to discern which part of you is talking to, your spirit, your soul, or your body. All right? So the Spirit, we talked about a good bit about last week because the Spirit is the most important and powerful part of you by far. All right? The word pneuma literally means the wind or the breath of. Your Spirit is the invisible, the immaterial part of you. All right? It's the part that the Bible calls the inner man or the inward man or the Spirit Or the heart, the Bible will talk about your heart. It's talking about your spirit. In the Hebrew, it says your kidneys. And it's a a metaphor of speaking about the center of you. All right? That's your spirit. And we said that your spirit last week, we said is the part of you that perceives at a much deeper level than your soul or your body. Very important to understand that. And man doesn't understand Uh, this truth. You can talk about soul and body with people and they'll kind of get that. And and people, the the world knows, okay, soul and body. But spirit, soul, and body, well, isn't spirit and soul the same thing? Well, your spirit perceives things at a much different level. And people without realizing it talk about their spirits. The world, they'll talk about their conscience. Or they'll talk about an intuition. Or they'll say sometimes, I had a gut feeling because they don't really know how to describe. There's something inside of them trying to tell them something. That's their spirit. And we've all experienced that at, at different points in our lives when your spirit was trying to tell you something, but your mind and your body didn't get it, right? So that's your spirit talking. It perceives things at a de- di- different level, at a much deeper level. And there are those who would have you to believe that talking about your spirit or spiritual things is for those who are uneducated or unsophisticated. That's for primitive people to be talking about these things, but nothing could be farther from the truth. The best education you could ever have is in studying the Scriptures. And it's important to understand that in the Bible, there are truths that are right out on the surface, easy to see. Like John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, that's as plain as you can get. That's right there. Anyone can grab that. But there are many truths in the Scriptures that require diligent study. And in 2, Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy. He says, be, be diligent to study the Scriptures so that you can rightly divide them. 
Study to show yourself approved. I think it's how the King James says it. That you may rightly divide the word of truth. And you know, it's like digging for gold, the Bible. There's sometimes there's mud on top, there's rocks, and there's stuff you've got to dig through to get to the truth. But you know, it's, it's like if, if, you know, when I was, uh, God put it on my heart as a young man, I, I was saved probably a year or so, and maybe two years, and, and, and God put it on my heart, I was about 20 years old, 21 years old, uh, that Jennifer was the woman I was to marry. And, you know, I sought the Lord about it, didn't say anything to anyone, I prayed about it for probably another year and a half or so. But there were two other guys that were pursuing her. And I knew that she was the treasure God had for me. So I had to be diligent in my faith to reap the rewards of what God had for me. As there, there, are, there are two guys who were set on marrying her. And I knew it, and they were friends of mine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so what God has for you doesn't just leap up, up from nowhere and show itself to you. You have to stay with him. You have to be in relationship with him. And you have to be willing to go through the mud sometimes or, or separate through the stuff that's on top of the treasure that he has for you, okay? And, and the learning about your spirit, soul, and body is that way. You have to study the scriptures to understand who you are in Christ. And boy, is it worth the study. You know, there's no book that has received more criticism and persecution than this one. There's no book that's more misunderstood than this one. You know, nations have burned it and banned it, but it's here it is. It's still here. You know, there's no book that the devil would want you to stay away from more than this one. There's no book the devil would want you to misunderstand more than this one. But I want to encourage you to stay with the Word of God and dig through the mud and get to the goal because it is so worth it, all right? So we're digging into the Word. In fact, God said in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Wow. What does that mean, lack of knowledge of what? Calculus? No. Knowledge of him. My people are destroyed because they don't know who I am. They don't know what I've done for them through Christ. And they don't know who they are in me. Okay, that's not us at Highway Church. We, are, we study who, who he is. We know who he is and who we are in him and what he's done for us in Christ. We, we are consumed with it, right? We want to know more and more and more and more. All right, so it's the part of you that perceives at a deeper level. Your spirit is the part of you where the life is. And we went into, in depth into all of these last week, so please listen to that. This, it's the part of you where the life is. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and are life. So it's the spirit realm where the life comes from. That's why the answer to physical health is in the spirit realm, because the physical came from the spiritual. And that's why man is struggling to find answers for diseases because they're studying the physical to fix the physical. The physical can only truly be fixed, and physical wholeness can only come through the spiritual reality of Christ. So it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. 
Your spirit is the part of you that God speaks to. Very important to understand that. Many people are trying to hear God with their bodies or with their intellect. But God is spirit, Jesus said in John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. All right? So people are having a, a lot of people have a hard time hearing from God because they don't realize he's going to speak to your spirit. And it's not going to be an audible voice like you're hearing mine now. It's going to be a, a, a spirit-to-spirit communication. And most of the time, it's just a, a, I don't even know how to put it into words, but the Bible says his spirit will bear witness with your spirit. It's a witness where you don't necessarily, uh, it isn't a paragraph that you're given. It's just you know what you need to do. It's beyond what your intellect can handle. Your spirit can know God's direction for your life in a moment, and it'll take your intellect another year to figure it out, right? So it's the part of you that God speaks to. Romans 8.14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God will lead you by your spirit. Isn't that something? Most people don't even know they have a spirit, you know? They talk about their soul and their body, but when you start talking about the spirit, it's like you're, you're from another planet, right? And, and this is the part that God speaks to. This is who you are. Yeah, Adam's body was made out of the ground, but he wasn't living until God breathed his spirit into him, right? So God will speak to your spirit. It's the part that we were made to live by. We're made to live by our spirits, but that got reversed in the fall of sin. When Adam separated himself from God, his spirit was separated from God, and his spirit died. In the Hebrew, it says uh, that, that it talks about two deaths, physical and spiritual, back in Genesis. So he died physically and spiritually, and when his spirit died, his body and his soul began to control his spirit. That's the opposite way to live, and many people are living that way today. Their intellect and their flesh control them, and that's not living. That's death. That's bondage. You want your spirit to control your soul and your body. That's freedom. And what, so Christ came, and through his sacrifice, through faith in his sacrifice, we are now made new and empowered to walk in the spirit, to let our spirit now control our soul and our body. All right, so that was last week. Let's get into the soul now. All right, so we talked a good bit about the spirit. Let's get into the soul this week. The Greek word is psyche, psychology. We're all familiar with that word, right? This is what we call your intellect, your mind, your will, your emotions. And as I said earlier, your soul is connected to your spirit. You can't separate the two. Now, your soul and your spirit can be separated from your body, and if that happens, then they have physical death, right? Your body can't live without your spirit and soul. But your soul and your spirit can't be separated. They can only be discerned or distinguished between. But in order to accurately and consistently discern between your soul and your spirit, you need the Word of God. Let's take a look at this in Hebrews chapter 4. 
sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we can live without God. Because maybe we've been hurt by, by religion or, or people, and, and we've shut the door to God in our lives, but you can't live without him. <laughs> he loves you, and he has the answers for your questions. Religion puts a big question mark before and after your faith, but God has the answers. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Now, this is just a gem. All right, look at this. For the word of God is quick. That's the King James for saying living. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Why would it need to be like that? Piercing even to the dividing of asunder of what? Soul and spirit. Uh-huh. And of the joints and marrow. What's that? Your body, right? So the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharp, and it's able to separate the differences between your soul your spirit, and your body, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's the key. There's the key. So knowing the Word of God will enable you to know yourself. Isn't that wonderful? You can't know who you really are apart from the Scriptures. It's just that simple. Because the Word preceded everything. I mean, I don't know when this was published. This is just, I could throw this in the fire or put it, you know, out in a pond somewhere. It'll, it'll just get soaked and ruined. But this isn't the Word of God. This is just paper, you know, and ink. But the Word of God in John chapter 1, verse 1. Do we have that scripture? E, John 1, 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus, okay? What we have here is the written Word of God, right? These are the written Scriptures to help us know the living Word of God. So the Word of God enables us to discern what is our spirit talking, what is our soul talking, and what is our body talking. Very important to understand that, because without this, you're not going to get it, all right? Because it's a living Word, all right? It's the living Word. All right, there are times when your body will speak to you, if you haven't realized that already. And there are times when your soul will speak to you, right? When your emotions will talk to you. And there are many times when what they're telling you is very different from what your spirit is telling you. Very important to understand that. And far too many people re react to what their body is telling them and what their soul is telling them instead of what their spirit is telling them because they haven't learned these things. Now, when you learn to listen to your spirit, it produces rest and peace in you. It's a supernatural rest. We're in Hebrews 4. Let's stay there. Let's look at this rest. Actually, let me read verse 12 out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Verse 12, and then we're going to look a little higher at verse 9. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, 
joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. This is how the Weiss translation says it. It says the word of God is a sifter and analyzer. <laughs> I love it. Woo, the word of God is a sifter and analyzer of the reflections and conceptions of the heart. Wow. In the military, they give you these packets so you can test water if it's safe to drink. You know? But that's what the word of God is. You need to test the thoughts that you have, right. the feelings that you have. Right. Does it line up with who you are in Christ? And this is the tester. This is the sifter. See? And many people are trying to test test the feelings they have with the feelings they have instead of with the Word of God. This is the sifter. This is the kit that we've been given that will analyze our thoughts. And it's separate. The Word, Jesus is separate from us, right? I mean, we've been united with Him, but He's truth personified. So He's not someone that, that just randomly does what we want Him to do. He is, he's perfect in all His ways. In other words, we have an objective standard that we can lean on and rely on. He's faithful to show us what we need to know, right? He's faithful to show us what's from him and what's not. And you need, we learn to trust him in that way. Okay. So now let's look at this rest in verse 9. So there's a supernatural rest when you learn to walk in the Spirit. And that's not something goofy or strange. All I mean is you begin to live your life by listening to your spirit instead of your soul and your body, where your spirit now gains the ascendancy. You're walking, in, your spirit's in control. There's a tremendous peace and a rest there. And every time I've got worn out, it's because I wasn't listening to my spirit. It'll produce burnout in you if you're living life by your soul and your body. But look at this rest that comes here. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter. Diligence means steady application and care. This is not something that happens once, boom, everything's all set. We steadily apply ourselves. We steadily care and watch over our spirit through the Word of God. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest with steady application and care, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. What is he talking about? The same example of unbelief. He was referring back to the Israelites right, who, who just, uh, so many of them just complained and, and, and rejected God over and over and over again to the point where they, they, could, they didn't make it into the promised land that God longed to bring them in because of their own unbelief and the own words that they, in fact, they spoke from their soul and their body right. instead of their spirit. They spoke how they felt. They spoke what it looked like. And that's what the soul and body does. It'll just say how it feels. I feel this way, so I'm going to say it. And that's a dangerous way to live. Because just because you feel that way doesn't mean that's who you are. Doesn't mean that's what God has for you. Right? You need to become to live by your spirit so that your feelings can't control you anymore. 
All right? So that's what God's, a lot of God's people did in the Old Testament. They lived by their feelings, and they spoke what they see, what they saw, and what they heard, and what they felt. And as a result, they, many of them, a whole generation practically, with the exception of a couple families, died in the wilderness, never entered into God's destiny for their lives. But it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And then we go into verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. You see how the rest, that's verses 9 through 12. The rest is connected to the word. So let us, not, let us be diligent to enter that rest, for the word of God is alive and powerful. You see the connection? See? The word of God is the answer to unbelief. It will answer your questions. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It will, it will enable you to discern between your spirit, soul, and and body. So you don't have to live like those who fell and never entered their destiny lived, right? So believing God's word produces a rest in us. It enables us to know who we really are and to live this life in the spirit as we were designed to live. That is good. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 and 15 as another example of the difference between your spirit and your soul. And this is the Apostle Paul talking. And look at verse, uh, I told you, chapter 14, verse 14. Paul talking, look what he says. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, and that means uh, he's talking about the um, speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. And uh, if you don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's something you'll want to receive and you want to enjoy in life. And that's uh, found in the book of Acts. And we spent a good bit of time in March talking about that. So if you go to our website, click on the podcast and go all the way back to March 1st, I think it was, and March 8th, we had a couple messages on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's your spirit empowered by God's spirit to pray supernaturally. And it, it, it's a spirit-to-spirit prayer and it, it, it surpasses your intellect. Okay, this is what Paul is talking about. For if I pray in tongues, I'm praying, my spirit's praying now. My intellect does not know what I just said. My spirit does. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can read a book and be praying in the Spirit. I do that. I'll be reading a book and I'll be praying in the Spirit because my intellect's reading, but my spirit's praying. Okay? So that's how you know, that's one of the ways you'll know if you're praying by your spirit. You can do other things with your intellect because your spirit's still going. All right? It's a separate thing. You're not conjuring up words with your intellect. Sometimes your intellect will block you in your prayers because it, it just has a hard time wrapping itself around the, the, the limitlessness of God. Your soul will some. So this is a way of surpassing that. Paul said, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. See the difference there between your spirit and your soul? Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. That's His Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. you got to do both. You pray in the Spirit and you pray in the language, your, your primary language. You need to do both. So I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit and I'll sing with the understanding. Your spirit needs to pray and your soul needs to pray. Very important. 
right? You need to do both. Some people only pray with their soul because they don't even know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they are limiting themselves from what God has provided for us in this new covenant, all right? So that's, that's, uh, that's why secular psychology falls so far short, mm-hmm. see? Because they're, they're, they're looking for answers to man in just one realm of man, or two realms, really, the, the psyche and the, the body. So they're studying the physical body and the psychology of man, trying to find answers for man, but they're leaving out the most important part of man, the spirit. Because many are afraid to go there because there's so much confusion about the spirit. So secular psychology falls way short. It's got all kinds of uh, uh, prescriptions for people that don't set them free. But if you want to be free, it's through here, right? It's through the truth of God's promises. You can't know who you are apart from Christ because he is the one who loves you and made you. And that's another reason man's studies fall so far short because they didn't make us. We're just observing what's been made, right? right? So we didn't make it. We didn't, we didn't knit babies together in their mother's womb. We didn't make the human body. We didn't make the human soul. We didn't make the human spirit. So when you want to understand how something's made, you have to go to the one who made it, mm-hmm. right? It's very true, especially the more complex that something is. I mean, a fork, I can pretty much understand, right? I don't have to call the maker of that fork to know what to do with it. But, you know, a human, a human being, I better go to the maker about that one, right? Yeah. And what if I deny the maker and try and learn it on my own? What if I just totally reject the manufacturer and say I know better? Wow, isn't that, wouldn't that be arrogant of me? to behold a human body. Have you ever seen a child being born? To behold something that amazing and deny the manufacturer? Wow, is that, wouldn't that be awful and arrogant of us to do such a thing? So your soul is an important part of you because it can either be controlled by your spirit or by your flesh. Very important. So what goes on in your soul can have a huge impact on your life. There was a book that came out many years ago written by Joyce Meyer called The The Battlefield of the Mind. She's talking about your soul. This is where the battle is fought. Your emotions, your intellect, your will. This is where the devil will launch his attack. Because when you put your faith in Christ, your spirit is made brand new. That's what Jesus referred to as being born again, okay? You, I put my faith in Christ, and when I did that, the Holy Spirit, just like Brendan last week, made his spirit brand new. But your soul and your body were not made new. Important to understand that. You'll be very confused if you don't understand that, all right? Our soul and our body need to be brought into subjection to our spirits now, into the truth of who we really are now, all right? Acts chapter 14, let's go there. This is a great example of how the enemy will fight against you. Acts chapter 14. So the enemy will launch attacks on your soul. Now you know what I mean by soul. Your mind, your intellect, your emotions. He'll shoot fiery darts at you. Many times your spirit, God will speak to you in your spirit, and all of a sudden these reasonings will kick in in your intellect trying to talk you out of what God just said to you. What is that? That's your soul needing to be brought into subjection to your spirit. 
And many people get talked out of what their spirit is telling them because their intellect kicks in. Okay? Acts chapter 14, verse 2. Here's a great example of that. If you look at Acts, I love the book of Acts. It's just one of my favorite books. Because you see, they've got a hold of the good news of Christ, and man, they're delivering it everywhere they go. And people are being healed, set free, multitudes of people. And the religious people are getting really mad about this. Because religion doesn't want people to be set free. Religion wants people to just continue going in this endless circle, right, for the rest of their lives, never knowing who they are in Christ. But the people are being set free in Acts chapter 4. And verse 2 says, but the unbelieving Jews... The religious people, right, who didn't want people set free. The unbelieving, key word there. Those who weren't at rest. Religious people aren't at rest. Remember Hebrews uh, 4, 9 through 12? When you're in unbelief, you're not at rest. So you're agitated by people who are at rest. You're agitated by people who are free. You're agitated by people who are happy, and you want to make them like you. So you try and agitate them so they'll be agitated like you are. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. How did they do this? And made their minds, their psyche, evil-affected, against the brethren. Boy, have I seen that happen. The New King James says it this way, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their psyche. I'm using the Greek. Poisoned their minds against the brethren. So how did they do that? Well, they did put drops of cyanide in their ears. No, they began to say things to them that were contrary to the gospel. Like what? It's a... You've got to do more than just believe. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law of Moses. You've got to read only the King James Version. There's all kinds of things like people tell other Christians that today. You know, what are they doing? They're poisoning their minds. They're, they're, they're sh- shooting darts in their minds to th- make them question, oh, maybe I do just need to read the King James, you know? Or maybe I, I do uh, need to take communion every day. Maybe I do need to go to confession. Maybe I do. See, and that's, that's what happens, and, and it causes questions. The enemy's deal is to try and get you to question what God has done for you, to always keep what he's done for you out of your reach. Like, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, I've got to do one more thing. If I just do this, I can have it. If I just do this. And it's always just out of reach. If you just pray another prayer and light another candle and go to church again and, and do this, and, and it's, you'll never get there. That's poison. That's the poison of religion, right? And you have to be aware of that. God's made a promise that every, every promise he's made is yes and amen in Christ. Anybody know where that is in the Bible? Someone tell me, where's that at in the Bible? I didn't make that up. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us, spoken by us to the glory of God. Anyone know where that is? Go ahead. Someone said, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Yeah, that's a very important powerful weapon when the enemy tries to poison your intellect. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. But, but you have to be circumcised. You get, No, Jesus did everything that needed to be done for me to have what God wanted me to have. Thank you, Lord. What do I have to do? Believe. It can't be that simple. 
It is. <laughs> it is. Jesus said so. In John chapter 6, do you know where that is? Where the, the, someone said, well, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe. <laughs> believe on the one whom he sent. Oh, religion cringes at such simplicity. But boy, is it true. Just believe. Just believe. Hallelujah. So your soul's either controlled by one or the other, by your spirit or by your flesh. Now your spirit, we said, was made new. Your soul and your body were not. Well, how do you bring your soul and your body under the control of your spirit? Are there special electrodes you need to buy on Amazon or some kind of, what do you do? How do you bring your soul and your body into, into the control of your spirit? It's really simple. There's 874 prayers you have to pray. And you have to do that for three years consistently, every day, and not miss one day, and it'll happen. No, it's really simple. You speak the word of God with your mouth, and you believe it in your heart. Isn't that great? And as you speak the word of God with your mouth and believe it in your heart, right, it causes your spirit to gain the ascendancy over your soul and your body. It's really cool. It's really good. We're going to look at this in the Word. Let's look at some examples of this. Let's go to Psalm 103. So in other words, you're telling your soul and your body what to do and how to feel. Man, that is like revelation to so many, that you can tell yourself how to feel? Yes. You can feel lousy and change that with your mouth. And we see it throughout the Scriptures. So you speak to your soul and you speak to your body. Psalm 103, verse 1. Here's a great example. Praise the Lord. He's not talking to Jesus. He's not talking to the Lord. He's talking to his soul. He's talking to himself. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Who's he talking to? He's telling his soul what to do. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He says it twice. And forget not all. He's telling his soul what to be mindful of. Right. You need to tell your mind what to think about. You do. If you don't, it'll come up with ideas for you, and the devil will shoot some in there to help you, right? Who forgives. Here's what you think about. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, which means destruction, and crowns you with love and compassion. Soul, that's what you're going to think about. Amen. Soul, you're going to think about this, verse 5, that he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Instead of believing you're going to get Alzheimer's, you think of this. There are people who have resigned the, to, to this thought that they're going to have it as they get older. Where did that come from? Not from God. No, soul, you're going to think on these things because he, satis he satisfies your desires with good things and your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you hear that body? That's what you do. And as you do this, you take authority over your soul and over your body. Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2. Another great example. I love this. 
He's employing his will. He's making his soul and body praise him. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I'm making a decision. I'm employing my will. I will, second time he says it, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Amen. Verse 2, he says it again. I will be glad. You mean I have a choice? You mean depression can't rule me if you don't let it? See, this is where psychology, they'll label you, you've got this, and you're going to have it the rest of your life. So you've got to take this, and you've got to take that, and you've got to take that, but it never sets you free from it. When the answer is in your mouth and in your heart, and you say, I will be glad, I will rejoice in you. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. This sounds like Philippians 4, verse 4. The Amplified says it this way, rejoice in the Lord always. Look at this, delight and gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. You have, to, you have to tell yourself to be glad. It will not happen automatically. There are days the last thing I feel like doing is being glad. But I tell it, no, you will. Sometimes I have to, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you will be glad. You will be glad. Regardless of what it might look like, you will be glad. You are blessed. You are walking on God's path and purpose for your life, and he is causing you to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. He said, I keep under my body, but I keep, in other words, he wasn't laying under a body like changing the oil in a car. He's saying, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. Subjection to what? His spirit. Okay? I keep my body into subjection under subjection to my spirit, that lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Everyone has to do it. Paul had to do it. We've got to do it. You've got to keep your body and your soul in subjection to your recreated spirit. And you do that by speaking the word with your mouth and believing it in your heart. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're not making your mouth speak the word of God to your soul and your body, your spirit is not in control. It's just that simple. If you are not regularly speaking the word of God with your mouth, believing it in your heart and telling your soul and body what to do, your spirit is not in control of you. Your soul or your body is. That's one way. When your spirit starts to reign in you, that word will come out of your mouth like a, a river. Because your spirit wants the truth. Your spirit lives on it. It's the food for your spirit, all right? So you can know, it's a little litmus test. Are you speaking the word of God over the situations and circumstances of your life? Then if you're not, your soul or your body is controlling you instead of your spirit, all right? So let's change that. You guys ready to change that? Mm -hmm. Psalm 23. Hallelujah. So God knows what you're going through, right? And he wants to heal and restore your soul. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, notice it's his initiative, to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores what? My soul. Yeah, God wants not just your spirit to be whole. He wants your soul whole. Next week, we're going to look at your body being whole. All right, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Excuse me, eleven twenty nine. Jesus said, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your 
souls, right? Uh, go to 29. You'll find rest for your souls. So God wants your, your intellect, your emotions to be whole and responsive to his promises. All right? So we're going to do it right now. We're going to speak to our soul, and we're going to speak to our bodies. Are you ready? I just speak, and you repeat after me. Soul, you're full of life. You're sound and healthy. Emotions, you're healthy and strong. Mind, you're healthy and strong. Mind, you will praise the Lord. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Body, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I am strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Soul, be glad. Rejoice. Be happy. Be strong in Jesus' name. I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be depressed. I rejoice in the Lord. I delight and gladden myself in him. Amen. Now, I'm just speaking different scriptures. That's all I was doing. So if you don't know the scriptures, get the audio podcast and search for them. All right, let's stand to our feet. God is good. Amen. Father, we thank you for teaching us how to live victoriously, how to walk in the new life that you've brought to us, God. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for everyone here. Father, that they would, they would uh, step into a new realm of life, a new dimension of life this week, that they would take control over their soul and their body and speak your promises with their mouths and believe them with their hearts. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.